but it usually is like, you know, two steps forward, one back, look, yeah. and you have to choose to see the growth and yeah. like, are we beyond where we were? Hmm. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. We're joined today by a good friend of mine, Pastor Brad Bigney. And you know, that's one of the things I love about the biblical counseling movement is just how there's so many godly women, so many godly men that you have the privilege of meeting and then learning from and serving with. And it is a big family in a lot of ways. And Brad has been an important part of that family for me and for our church. Brad has come to the Biblical Counseling Training Conference and served our guests for decades now, and everybody loves Pastor Bigney. There's no question about that, and I'm glad, because that's just when our guests come, and then one of my friends serves my friends in such a delightful way. I mean, I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful, Brad, that you're willing to do that. Mm. Brad serves as the lead pastor of Grace Fellowship Church in Kentucky. And so, Brad, thank you very much for taking yeah. the time to be here. Well, I'm thrilled. This is, I know it might sound silly, but you've heard me say it, and I mean it. This is a highlight of my year. Yeah. Seriously, I start getting excited when we, I'm in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, so when we start getting bleak, bitter cold days. <laughs> my excitement is, oh my goodness, we're getting close to the yeah. BCTC. Because I came here for the first time in 1997 wow. with a little handful of people. I had 100 people at church and I'd gotten a brochure in the mail. And Vicky and I had gotten counseling. So I'm kind of jumping to how did I get into mm-hmm. biblical counseling? I didn't just think this ought to be something good to learn about. We needed counseling. Hmm. And we'd gone to two different Christian counseling things that just didn't help. Yeah, We were stuck. And then we learned of a biblical counselor named Stuart Scott. We were in South Carolina, and we went, and it rocked not just our marriage. It was a breakthrough because he was going after the heart. Yep. So that stereotype of biblical counseling is just find a sin, match it with a Bible verse, say stop it, is not biblical yep. counseling. He asked questions. Mm-hmm. He was insightful. He drew us out. And then he pushed below the surface to know, but why does Brad do what he does? And why does Vicky? And it was painful. We both cried and carried on, but it was a breakthrough, and we repented, and our marriage was so changed. I was in my third year of the MDiv, and he had gotten none of this. Hmm. Now, I've paid thousands of dollars, and it's a good school, but I said to him, where did you learn this? And he let me start sitting in on Thursday nights, and I I watched him work with a bulimic woman, an angry man, a guy that had hit his wife. I'm seeing him use the Bible with great skill, and yet love people and then meet them where they were in ways that I didn't know was possible. And I got so excited that I said, I want to learn this. And then I graduated and went to plant a church, part of an evangelical free church plant. 
and in the goodness of God, your brochure came in the mail. <laughs> I think I'd gotten them before, but it always said missionary training conference. That's and right. I'm like, well, I'm not a missionary. That's Too right. bad, so sad. And it must have been the first year you chose to rename it because mm. it was called, I don't know if it was BCTC then, but I'm looking through this thing and I said to Vicki, this sounds like the same stuff that Stuart Scott was doing with us. Yeah. I picked up the phone and talked to somebody here and I'm like, yep. <laughs> and I begged and, you know, it was me. I was playing my guitar. I was answering the phone. Hello, Grace Fellowship. Tag, you're it. I got three people to come and then five and then eight and then 13 and then 15. And the, the last year I brought a group, I bought, brought 53 people here. <laughs> and I was trying to take deacons and elders and small group leaders and student ministry volunteers. And we are so grateful to faith. That's why I'm happy to give up, you know, the days every year almost like a thank you back to faith, mm. it has shaped our church. Yeah. Because this piece is not this appendage on the side. Oh, by the way, we also do counseling. Yeah. It's the heart of who we are. It's caused us to be a church of transformation mm. instead of just information. Yeah. And so it's right at the hub, and it bleeds into everything, student ministry, mm. women's ministry. And yes, there is now, by God's grace, a counseling and training center certified mm. with ACBC. And we probably have... 50, 60 people doing counseling now. Hmm. So it is Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly beyond. Yeah. This was me in my basement doing counseling, hmm. and now it's 50 or 60 people doing counseling. And for what it's worth, I'll say, you know, I'm the lead pastor, so you can imagine, there's 2,000 people now and three campuses and 35 full-time staff and a budget of $5.8 million. By now, lots of times lead guys are like, oh, yeah, counseling's really important, but I don't have time to yeah. do it. Yeah. Or group is important, but I there's two things I hold on to on purpose. I still counsel, and I still lead a group that meets in my home on Tuesday night because I feel like that's where I'm in the trenches with yeah. real people. Yeah. So all these years, I've waved my Bible around and said, wouldn't you like to know how to help a real person with a real problem using your Bible? Because <laughs> when you use counseling, people are like, oh, I'm no counselor, yeah. and we're not supposed to do that. I would even say this. The last two years were really hard. I've been a pastor 35 years. They were the hardest two mm. years I've had. And do you know what one of my greatest joys was during that? Counseling. Isn't that interesting? And here's why. When you're really hurting yep. and people were still hurting, they came in and they didn't care about mask, no mask, vaccine, hashtag this, hashtag that. They still needed real help. And mm. it was almost like one of my few moments that I got to set aside all the screaming of the culture, yep. and still meet with real people. And I would leave counseling nights saying, this is why people need a pastor. Yep. I get to do this. Yeah. And it's hard. But, oh, the joy of seeing God's Word and God's Spirit work mm. in people's lives. And so I've, I'm still doing it. And now I've got people observing. So now as I counsel, I'm trying to multiply myself. Sure. So I never counsel without someone sitting in. So we're trying to do the same kind of training that you do here. We do it every fall. And then I've got a list of people, and I just say, all right, you find me someone to observe as I start this new case. And that's exciting, too, yeah. You know, showing people how. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me, Brad, that in the sovereignty of God, you and Vicki were matched up with Stuart Scott. Yeah. Such a delightful friend and such a godly man and such a great example of what does biblical counseling really look like? Mm -hmm. And anybody who knows Stuart knows he's a gracious man. He's yeah. a godly man. He knows the word. Yeah. And you know, isn't it interesting that that's who God matched you with yeah. all those years ago? Yeah. 
to be a help to you, but also then to set you on a trajectory mm-hmm. where you and Vicky are able to serve so many people oh. all these many decades later. Praise God for His yeah. grace. Could have never fathomed. And that's what I say to my counselees, even this couple I'm about to... F- I did session 16 Wednesday night. I'll maybe do two more. And then I'm going to graduate them. And I always tell my counselees, I get them to write a testimony. And then I go ahead and prepare their hearts with Second Corinthians, you know, the mercy and help you've yeah, gotten. Absolutely. You are able to help those who are in any kind yeah. of trouble. And I'll usually tell them, God's going to use you. Hmm. Yeah. He's going to use Get ready. I would have never dreamed... I just thought we had a bad marriage. Let's get this fixed so I can go on and do ministry. And God had such bigger plans. I would have never thought we were going to have this kind of counseling ministry in this kind of church. My sin is my sin. I was still a bad husband. But God is sovereign. He's used it in a mighty, mighty way. But yeah, I'm so grateful to Stuart. You know, it's interesting also that you would say that the last couple of years have, while they've been hard, they've also provided some marvelous counseling opportunities. Because, you know, I I was just literally saying that same thing with another guest I talked to earlier today on a different podcast, that in the last couple of years, I've had some of the most delightful counseling opportunities of my entire public ministry. And I do wonder if that's what it is. We're just living in a time Mm -hmm. where people especially need a pastor. They value Mm -hmm. a pastor. Mm -hmm. I've run into people at the grocery store during COVID who, behind their masks, would start crying because they had been watching me online, Mm. and I was a connection to Mm -hmm. the Word of God. I was a connection to things that were familiar to them. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when times are hardest... That's when you feel most like a pastor, isn't it? Yeah. I'm grateful that I didn't just have the public preaching of the Word, but I had these ministries in place already because they turned out to be some of my greatest joys. And in the goodness of God, maybe just to kind of balance out, behind the scenes we were having horrific meetings with people over issues that I don't think should be the primary issue. It was wearing me out. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like God just gave me, I had some of, similar to what you said, I had some of my favorite cases I think I've ever had. You know, when you see a 50-year-old man who's a strong man, and he was, this one I had last year, that just keeps saying, this has changed my life. This has absolutely changed. Oh, I wish I'd known this sooner. And then he keeps coming back up to you on on Sundays. I just got to tell you again, (laughs) thank you. This has changed my life. Yeah. I mean, you could go, some people go their whole life and don't hear that on any level, but it was hard. And I love it. He kept saying week after week, oh, this is hard. Hmm. This is hard. But then he would do it. He would do what I was saying. And he changed some. And that's one of those where he wanted to drop off his three teenage girls at the church and have us fix them. Why, sure. And he just said, they're not listening to me. Da, 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 da. And it was a hard thing. His wife had left him, left him with them. And we said, oh, we don't do that. I mean, yep. we counsel kids, but we start with parents. Yep. And so I, I started with someone who didn't want to be there, mm-hmm. you often do, hmm. that needed, you know, you're going to have to build involvement and connect. But once we did, and we began to work on a heart level, he literally said, oh, if I could go back, I would do things differently. He changed so much that his nutcase wife, and she really is, she's like, Phew. <laughs> she's one of those that went to find herself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He changed so much because she's he's still having to interact with her over the girls. She said, why aren't you? This is the husband I wanted. You've changed so much. I want you back. I want you back. So then I had to have a session with him like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Has she repented? Hmm. No. Please don't go back. Hmm. Don't go back yet. Hmm. But he changed so much and she saw it. 
That's so exciting. Yeah. Amen. I mean, even in our church, I'm sure like you, Steve, on any level, what keeps me going is not new facilities, is not brochures, it's changed lives. Yeah. And nowhere do I get to see more of that up close than counseling. So as a pastor, listen to me today, lead pastor, associate pastor, whatever you are, if you're not counseling, you're missing out on mm. some of the best front row seats to change lives. So is that why you've decided to continue to counsel, even though at a church like yours, with all the ministries and all the complexity, yeah. you're still doing some yeah. counseling? Is that why? Well, it's one of them. Because it really is, while it's one of my hardest things, it's one of my sweetest and most joyful. But two other things. I don't want to just say things are important. I love modeling it. Yeah. So as much yeah. as I can, I have some pastor friends, and I know they mean well. They're like, oh, groups are important. People at close range. I think Christians change best at close range with other mm -hmm. believers. But then they don't do it themselves. They yeah. say, I'm too busy. And so I hold on to it to model it, and I hold on to it because it's a joy but the third thing is, I think it informs my preaching. Hmm. So people will say to me, like, how do you? It's yeah. like you were in our home. Well, yeah. guess what? I've been spending time with people just like you. Yeah. And I think when guys just sit in their office with great books and great resources for writing sermons, it's missing something. Mm -hmm. I feel like I keep my thumb on the pulse. Because it can be disappointing at first. I mean, I have to be honest. There's times that I'm sitting with someone, I'm like, this is where you are? You've been in our church 15 years. Have you not heard my sermons? Like, And literally you realize they don't understand grace. Yep. They don't. But you get the chance at close range or whatever it is, bitterness, unforgiveness. And so I keep the, my hand on the pulse and it informs my preaching. I never lose sight of where people really are. Because yeah. on Sunday morning, just shaking your hand saying, great sermon, thanks. You don't know what's going on. But when you counsel... You're still knowing what's going on when you lead a group in your home. If it's ours, is are focused on transformation. You know what is really going on, hmm. and how can we pray for each other? So I don't want to be less effective in my preaching. So I pulled back from other things, and said, "All right, I'm not going to do that, that, that. But I'm going to hold on to counseling. And I'm going to hold on to leading a group." That's really interesting. So you know, there's a zillion things that I'm sure our listeners would like me to ask you about just a mind from all your years of wisdom. But one of the things that often comes up is the matter of, well, how do I know when I should graduate a counselee? We've been working for a period of time. Yeah. Does this go on forever? Does it not yeah. go on forever? So can you just unpack that <clears throat> yeah. in your heart and mind and your experience? How do you make that yeah. decision? And I have to say, I've grown into what I'm about to say. Because on the front end, when you just get going, you can fall into the trap of thinking, oh, and there's something else, and there's something else, and you're never done. Hmm. But I began to settle in and realize I'm not here to fix every problem. Yeah. I'm here to put tools in their toolbox and walk them through one real problem in a way that I hope they will learn what they need to yeah. walk through additional problems. So it freed me up to actually, like when I say I'm about to graduate this couple, if you were to get around them, you would say, whew. <laughs> oh, wow, there's still a lot that needs to be done. And that's what I get from my observers. So mm -hmm. they're new to this. Yep. And I can tell the woman especially is like one week, because they'll come 15 minutes early and we'll chat. And she said, i got to be honest, Pastor Brad, I, I just expected to see more change than this. <laughs> and I said, well, let's call her Sally. Sally, this is you're seeing a good one. This is pretty much what it looks like. Hmm. I said, every now and then I have one of those, oh, you know, road to Damascus, fall to the ground, <laughs> light showed. I mean, but and you do get those every, I think I can count them on my hand. Yep. It's like, oh my goodness, 
this person is so different and it happened, bam. But it usually is like, you know, two steps forward, one back, look, yeah. and you have to choose to see the growth and yeah. like, are we beyond where we were? Hmm. Here's a key to it, Steve, is your mindset at the outset is I'm no longer just trying to fix all their problems. My mindset with counseling, and I would love for pastors to hear this because I think it would help them buy in, I'm trying to make a disciple. Hmm. I don't know of any pastors that are against discipleship. I hope but, not. But I know a lot that think, well, counseling's optional. Hmm. And counseling is nothing more than intense discipleship. Right. A problem brought them in, but it's my opportunity now not to just address that problem, but to disciple them. So like with this couple, it's pretty typical. They weren't hardly reading their Bibles at all. Hmm. I've got them, and I've worked with them to to form a habit of Bible reading, not just reading it, but applying it to their life. Hmm. You know, So week after week, I want you to come back with three to five takeaways of something you can apply to. So they're reading and thinking, how does this apply to my life? Hmm. Believe it or not, that might sound like duh, but tons of Christians don't know how to do that. Hmm. So I've worked with them to know, and I'm like, that's so good, what hmm. you just gave me. And then literally one week she said, she's a pharmacist, she works all night. I get it, it's hard. They got three teenage sons, but on her own, every now and then, you probably do the same thing, I'll stop and say, hey, so far, it's been seven, what are some of your takeaways? Yeah. What has been most helpful? She spoke up, and it's a marriage problem. And it's a big marriage problem. It was one of those where stuff came out that she didn't even know about, you know, rock your world kind of stuff. It's not what she talked about. She said, oh, my goodness, I have discovered I am a different person when I'm reading my Bible. Hmm. I mean, she has, like, she's just fallen in love. She gets it, and she's reading it and applying it, taking some passages and praying it, you know, so... I'm wanting to make a disciple. Are you praying specifically? Are you reading your Bible and applying it? Are you in a group? I don't care what you call it, ABF, growth group, life group. What is it in your church that is that component that's smaller, hmm. where everybody knows each other's name? I want them in it, and very often they're not. So here's a couple now plugged into a group, and they're experiencing the grace and life of ministry at close range. They're reading their Bibles and forming a habit of regularly doing this, and they're praying specifically, that's a win. So and what your point is, we're not trying to solve every possible mm. problem in a counselee's life. We're trying yeah. to get them into the discipleship river, yeah. so to speak, on the trajectory that's of right. growth in Christ. And I appreciate also you said we're providing biblical tools so that they can eventually counsel themselves mm -hmm. without my immediate mm -hmm. involvement, or at least not at this level of intensity. Right. So just some key things that I do want them to understand. Like he's gone back probably three times he's mentioned how I've worked with them on their thought process. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a takeaway that I haven't fixed every problem, but now he keeps saying he was very prideful. This, this is going to sound sad, but this was him. He's like, you know what? I'm realizing now sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, wow. That's refreshing. I'm, she, I'm sure she's so glad uh -huh. they've been married 17 years, but that was a new thought for him. I've been trying to help him realize your thought pro His starting point was always, how can I prove you're wrong and I'm right? Sure. Therefore, I don't need to listen to you anymore. So we've dug into pride. We've dug into when things happen, you think something, you process mm -hmm. it. Based on that, you feel something, you take action. And if you do it long enough, you got a habit. Mm -hmm. That has gripped him. Hmm. Well, that doesn't just address their marriage. That's right. 
I have made a disciple that knows how to Mm self-counsel, and it's lovely, because I'm at this point now where I just have a simple little card that's called Catch Yourself. Real real clever. (laughs) And I say, I want you this week to come back and give me three examples where you caught yourself about to say, think, do what you always did. But it's like in that moment, the Holy Spirit and everything we've been working on is like, whoa, Hmm. this is what we're talking about. That's real life in the trenches. When you can start to catch yourself and realize, ah, ah, what should I think? So that, so how do you process life? Because we're all interpreters. And then... This is huge for me, and they're getting it. I don't want to release someone until I've helped them understand it's not just what you're doing, but why. Mm -hmm. The heart. The Bible talks about the heart. So I call it the sin beneath the sin. Hmm. He's prone to getting angry. You know, even as in the early sessions, he's like, well, she doesn't seem to even want to listen to me. Hmm. See, that's why I never counsel one person. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. You could be sitting there with him and think, poor guy's wife never listens to him. (laughs) When you got them both, as soon as he said that, she's like, uh, let me help you out here. All he wants to talk about is politics, and he's angry, and I'm tired of talking about it. I would love to talk about something else. And he just sat there awkwardly. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, one week, and this is why I love the local church, Steve. I know you do too. You could have XYZ Biblical Counseling Center, and I know they can do some good. Hmm. But when you've got the entire local church wrapped around someone... And they're in a group, and this couple I know, they're squared away with biblical counseling, and they're getting love and truth. They're attending or listening online, as the case may be, because she works all night, preaching Hmm. that you know is going to be what people need to hear. And then they're close range getting counseling, and they're starting to read their Bible. That's discipleship. He came in one week, and he said, oh, my goodness, because we'd already been digging into heart issues Hmm. and idols. He said, I think I have another idol because my, my sermon was about the sovereignty of God over the nations. We were kicking off the new year, and just I just brought it hmm. and had a stand and just read all these great Old Testament sovereignty of God. He's in control. He's hmm. in control. It's his purposes, and he raises up one and puts down another. You could just feel it. Hmm. And I did it on purpose for all those, ah, ah, yeah. you know, Biden, ah. Yeah. It's like... No, but, you know, and, and I actually, I said it right there. I said, if you're thinking the election was stolen from Trump with false votes and all that, and da, 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 oh, God, quiet. I'm like, all that may have happened. All of that may be true. Mm-hmm. But one thing we know, Trump was only in office because God put him there. Yeah. And when God was done with him, he took him out. And get ready. Some of you are going to gasp. Biden is only in office because God put him there. Mm-hmm. And when he's done... His team, his marketing crew, nobody can keep him in. God, right? So he comes in, he's like, I think one of my idols was the security of America. Hmm. Well, anger, you know, you can memorize a do not get angry verse all day long. Until you understand there's something I'm wanting, protecting, promoting, or feel threatened. It is threatened by something. Anger is your response to that. Hmm. And he's doing better. Hmm. He had to know what was going on in his heart. That excites me. Sort of, you might say, well, that has little to do with their marriage, but does it? Yeah. Jesus said in Matthew 15, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, if his heart is full of that, that's all that's coming out of his mouth. And you can give him a worksheet that says, please ask your wife about her favorite ice cream or something Mm -hmm. different. And it ain't going to change that until his heart changes. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things. Are they plugged in and connected to the body? Are they tapping into, I call them spigots of grace. Hmm. Too many Christians think, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. After that, 
I live the Christian life. Yeah. Oh, no, you don't. Hmm. We're saved by grace, and you have to have the grace of God, a grace-empowered effort to live the Christian life. Well, therefore, you better know where to get grace. Yeah. And so when I'm counseling, I'm introducing them to spigots of grace. God's word is the word of his grace. Other believers at close range, 1 Peter 4.10, they're stewards of the manifold grace of God. As I teach them to pray specifically, you're going to the throne of grace to find mercy to help in time of need. I may not unpack every issue they have, but if I've shown them and they formed a new habit of going to the mm-hmm. throne of grace, spending time in the word of grace, and being with other believers that are stewards of grace, guess what? Yeah. Their lives are changed and pointed in a new direction. Mm. Hey, I appreciate everything that you've shared. That makes so much sense. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your book? Oh, okay. Hey, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually sometimes someone will say to me, oh, I read one of your books. I have one book. <laughs> so if you read Gospel Trees and you've read my entire Brad Bigney library, you got it. But I am pretty passionate about it because this was what I touched on there for a minute. I was that guy that got saved at seven, and I was in good Bible-teaching churches. But I still didn't know how to change. I didn't see my own heart, which is why we were so stuck in our marriage. And when Stuart introduced us to idols of the heart, the sin beneath the sin, why do you do what you do, it was a massive breakthrough. Just to cut to the chase, if you're wondering, what was your big sin? I was that guy, type A, that thought, I go 100 miles an hour for the glory of God, Hmm. exclusively. (laughs) And baby, you just need to follow me. Here we go. Hmm. You know, what's a wife to say? How do you combat that when she's trying to get me to play Candyland? I'm like, souls are at stake, heaven and hell. There's someone else for me to rescue. How can I play Candyland for a family night? And uh, he helped me. He said, I'll never forget, we were like four or five sessions into it. I'm not that guy that won't talk. I talk. But I assume I'm winning the day. You know what I mean? And I'm just pouring my heart out to him, thinking the more I explain this to him, the more he'll be able to tell Vicky how good she has it. And I'll never forget the session where he's like, Brad, I've been listening to you. And he had, which I thought was a big win. But then I realized, uh-oh, yeah, he was writing it down. He had stuff written down. And he had clustered it together as any good counselor would. He was looking for a pattern. And I just could have died. But it was, what a good counselor. He's like, you keep saying. And then he said this. And he said hmm. this. And what can I say? Yeah. It's true, but it sounded so bad coming from someone else. (laughs) And then he said, I think you have some significant heart idols Hmm. that drive you. So one of mine was, I love being loved. Hmm. And I didn't see that, that, you know, I loved, there were 600 people at that church at that time, and they did. Hmm. They loved me dearly. And so that kept me going. The more Vicky seemed, you know, distant from me and unengaged, the more I just went harder towards that because I got so many accolades and I just thought, ah, 600 people love me. There's one that doesn't. happens to be my <laughs> wife, but whatever. That's just one. One versus 600. Huh. And of course, in typical guy, I just didn't know how to fix it. Mm. I was like, so when we don't know how to fix it, we just go do what we think we're good at, which only made it worse. Mm. So I, I'm just, it was painful. It was a painful adjustment. And I still, I still go hard. So it's not like now I just sit, you know, when I didn't understand what she wanted, I would say things that made her cry. And I would just say, fine, I'll quit ministry. I'll work at Walmart. I'll stock shelves, and I'll be home at 5, and I'll hold your hand and look in your eyes. And she would cry, and that was mean. But I was frustrated because I felt threatened. Hmm. I just thought, I can't do ministry with you. Girl, you're bringing me down. Like, hmm. yikes. I was scared. 
I thought if I do what she wants, I could never be a pastor. And that just wasn't true. She's a fabulous pastor's wife. We've been married 35 years now. I go hard, but it's different. She knows I love her, and I've got in place spending time with her. And once I connected with her in a real way, she released me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she, I'm here without her, and she, I have her blessing, and she loves to see me serve the Lord. But I love her first, and mm. she knows that. So the book is about that. So Gospel Treason is about how we turn from our Savior and the gospel to other things that we're building our world around. And I find that it's pretty common that Christians are stuck. Yeah. You know, it's no purpose-driven life, like with millions of copies sold, but it's pushing 50,000 now. Mm. And I'm grateful to the number of people that write me and say, this has changed my life. Absolutely. This is what I was missing if you're listening and you're Hispanic or have friends, Lord willing, June 8th, it'll be out in Spanish. So All right. we've been working on it a year, coming out in Spanish, because I, I know the heart is the heart. And so, especially here at BCTC, there's often Spanish brothers and sisters that have been yep. saying to me, oh, oh, we'd love this. So there's gospel. If you go to my website, not our church, but bradbigney.com, hmm. you can get a free study guide. You can get access to nine sermons that go along with the book that are free. You can use it in Sunday school, small group, counseling. People are using it and, by God's grace, finding it helpful. Amen. Well, hey, thank you very much for your friendship. And I appreciate you just pouring out your heart to our listeners today. A lot of helpful things. I learned things today. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Steve. Glad I can be a friend of you and BCTC Faith. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.